0: Um, okay, so our next speaker uh, is Estelle Blaschke from the University of Lausanne. Um, her topic is Saving Space, Mediating Place Photography and the Reproduction of Collections and Archives. Estelle is um, currently a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Lausanne. She was the author of the book Banking on Images, The Bettman Archive and Corbus, which was awarded the 2012 Research prize by the German Photographic Society. Funded by the Swiss National Science Foundation, her current project investigates the history of microfilm. Estelle. Um, thank so, uh, thank you very much, Joan. Um, and I join, join my fellow speakers um, in thanking the organizers for um, this wonderful conference. So, in 1927, um, the Library of Congress embarked on the systematic reproduction of manuscripts and books related to the history of the United States and the Americas stored in the libraries, archives and museums of several European countries. Internally referred to as Project A, research assistants crossed the Atlantic to identify, select and photograph masses of documents resulting in over 3 million still images. funded by the Rockefeller Foundation, the Library of Congress made ample use of a photographic technique that was not new but subject to major improvements during uh, starting in the 1920s that of microphotography. In this paper I will concentrate on and somehow really push the purely reproductive quality of photography and its capacity of mobilizing the objects, that make collections and archives. The area in which this um, came maybe most plainly to work before the digital uh, was microphotography. What happens when the machine invades the space of collections? What, when not collections, but their skin or form, as on Oliver Wendell Holmes suggested, become available in different places? What I will try to show along this paper, and in this very short time, is that neither does photography produce a replica, nor is the skin or form immaterial. The term microphotography um, is used here as an umbrella term for all kinds of micro reproductions on transparent film. This includes the film reel, that is microfilm, which I will focus on, the microfiche and the aperture card, a combination of a punch card and a film negative. Mm -hmm. There existed further formats, um, which all differed in their applications and the way of reading the content. Project A, which tested microfilm, (coughs) was only a small part of the Library of Congress's more general plan, amply funded by the Rockefeller and Carnegie foundations of building a national a a research collection of national status and one that would equal those of its European counterparts. Also, it was not the first time that photography was embraced as a library or archival technique. When the impulse of documenting the world as Kelly Wilder and Greg Midman termed it resulted in the creation of various types of photographic collections and archives Photography also entered these institutions through the back door, one may say. Starting around 1870, national libraries as well as some local study libraries installed dark rooms, hired professional photographers, or even allowed their readers to make their own photographs of the library and archival holdings. The very idea of using visual recording as a copying technique and of reducing large collections as for example, I quote, an entire library or I quote, even the whole archive of a nation to a miniature format reaches back um, to the early days of photography. On the occasion of the 1851 great exhibition in London, John Herschel noted the potential of the medium as I quote, the most remarkable discovery of modern times for preserving public records in a concentrated form. Unquote. In The Pencil of Nature, William Henry Fox Talbot explicitly emphasized the reproductive qualities of, um, on the example of three out of the 24 photographic, uh, photogenic drawings inserted in the publication. The future of copying originals, such as engravings or prints, was an inherent part of the art of photography, as Talbot suggested. With regard to plate um, 11, he commented, I quote, it enables us at pleasure to alter the scale and to make the copies as much larger or smaller than the originals (coughs) as we may desire. As recent scholarship has shown, Talbot's interest for the photographic art was nurtured by his various other scientific interests, such as the decoding and translation of ancient texts. The possibility of making copies of rare or fragile material was something that Talbot, or anyone with an interest in the past, were clearly excited about. With the help of the apparatus, one could not only produce and store copies in a latent form, but also reduce or increase the scale of these originals, at pleasure and as one desired. A distinctive a distinctive feature of photography and then one that distinguishes it from other forms or most other forms of reproduction. Some two decades later, the possibility of containing information in a microformat as a means of wartime communication was demonstrated through the pigeon pose during the Franco-Prussian War of 1870-71. Marking the cultural claim of this endeavor, the two hot air balloons used for navigating beyond the front line were named the Niepce and the Daguerre, as described in the commemorative publication by René Dragon. You see here Dragon's publication on the left-hand side and two illustrations from Gaston Tissandier's chapter on microscopic despatches um, on the right-hand side. It was, however, only during the 1920s that microphotography was subject to a new dynamic, caused by a concatenation of technological advances and by its successful application in trade and industry. Besides the diversification of cameras, progress was made on the quality of the film material and the refinement of the chemical emulsions in combination with the film role. In 1925, the fire-resistant celluloid acetate film, the so-called safety film, was put on the market, replacing nitrate and facilitating the use of photography as an archival medium. And as you may know, celluloid acetate is also the component for all sorts of plastics and synthetic fibres, and thus the basis of a huge global industry. As part of a um, of a thriving market, Eastman Kodak, the inventor of the film Roll and one of the major investors in microphotography, also founded the Eastman Chemical Corporation in 1928. By this, it secured um, the marketing of the raw material as well as the hardware. And while Eastman Kodak fought for bankruptcy um, in 2012 as one of the major companies of the 20th century, the Eastman Chemical Corporation remains in the top 500 U.S. firms. In 1928, Eastman Kodak introduced the code- Rekodak reproduction system for its use in U.S. banks under the slogan Accounting by Photography, a system which was later adapted to library services. The Recodec, um was designed to produce fa- a fast and, and cheap backup of checks and statements, and later also to provide copies of the same set of documents to the various branches of expanding businesses. Similar to the adding machine, the use of the latest photographic technology was meant to accelerate administrative procedures, but also to create customer confidence, especially after the 1929 world economic crisis. What proved useful in banks was equally appealing to other industries, all companies and car manufacturers, as well as retail companies, insurances, and governmental institutions throughout the 1930s and 1940s and throughout um, the 20th century. Compared to manual um, or other mechanical copying techniques, the storage of business data or technical drawings um, on lightweight and flexible 16 millimeter or 35 millimeter film rolls was an aspiring market as it enabled the reproduction of masses of documents. In 1950, Kodak promoted semi-automatic microfilm devices that were capable of taking 50 copies per minute and as stated in an advertisement, I quote, 8,000 checks can be photographed on 100 foot roll of record safety film, that's economy. (laughs) Another rhetoric which is uh, very strong here um, is the analogy of photography and the virtual form of money, which I won't um, be able to explore here. The um, push for microfilm as an information technology occurred at a time of increased rationalization and of the professionalization of office management, as well as the development of large governmental apparatuses. As Alistair Black and others have noted, long before today's information society, capitalist formations were anchored in the need for and dependent on the systems designed to facilitate communication and access to information resources. And that also applied to the scientific context. For libraries and archives, economy was an important rationale, but far greater was the idea of a better circulation and dissemination of knowledge. The ideological foundation was solidified uh, through a short but widely circulating essay co-authored by um, Paul Otlet, the founder of the um, International Institute of Bibliography, and one of the pioneers of information sciences, and the Belgian physicist and engineer Robert Goldschmidt. In Sur une forme nouvelle du livre, le livre microphotographique, published in several versions between 1906 and 1933, the authors claimed that photography was finally ready to elevate the inconveniences of the book, namely its rigid form and the costs of production and storage. In times of radical increase, the excess of scientific publications, especially scientific journals um, and documentation in general, um, as a consequence of the thematic and geographical expansion of sciences, the book, um, as well as modern documentation in general, tended towards the photographic form. American, French and German inventors and manufacturers, big and small, subsequent, subsequently um, competed on the development of microfilm cameras and projectors for their application in libraries and archives, which differ significantly from the commercial use. Um, so you have, on the one hand, the more or less uniform, materi- um, uniform material, um, like checks um, and versus the very heterogeneous material that requires frequent calibration um, and Kelly was talking about that yesterday. And while in the commercial context the projector was primarily used to occasionally consult the content, the visualization was, of course, an indispensable element for library users. Many of the devices never never went beyond the stage of a patent or a prototype. Standards and markets were unsettled, and often the latest technology was already outdated before it could truly establish itself. Despite several shortcomings, however, a clear economic, scientific and political interest grew especially in the United States in the hope to monopolize a technology that had the potential of changing the ways in which information was collected and shared. The promise was so strong that it led to the close cooperation and again also competition between scholars of various academic disciplines philanthropic foundations, public institutions, and commercial companies, which tested and further developed their recording and viewing technologies on the basis of several microfilming projects, to name a few. The University Libraries of Harvard, Yale, and Chicago, which lacked access to European collections, established on-site microfilm laboratories to complete their research collections, in addition to the acquisition of foreign books, journals, and manuscripts. From 1935 to 1942, under the umbrella of the Roosevelt's Work Progress Administration, the WPA, the historical Records survey aimed at bringing together historical records and newspapers from local and regional archives, thus exploring the possibility of relating data from various institutions. Microfilm was mainly used to reproduce written, typed, or printed material but there existed also several projects of microfilming images, such as the reproduction of the entire Farm Security Administration's, the FSA collection, under Paul Vanderbilt, the first director of the Photographs and Prints Department at the Library of Congress during the 1940s. Another example uh, was the use of the new Kodachrome color film during the early 1940s for the reproduction of illustrated medieval manuscripts, a project conducted by the College Art Association and the American Council of Learned Societies. Here, the film was cut into individual frames in order to equip less well um, of um, art colleges with educational material. During World War II, microfilm was even applied to save through copies endangered cultural heritage from completely vanishing. This so-called emergency program, a sequel of Project A, sought to systematically reproduce the most important um, manuscripts in Britain, France, and Italy, including the holdings of the Bodleian Library and the British Museum. It is a project, by the way, which was later incorporated into ProQuest, an information information content company specialized on applications for libraries and research. An event, um, or better two events, uh, which reflect the intertwinement of the idea um, of humanistic progress on the one hand and business opportunities on the other, (coughs) as well as the political and economic stakes involved was the presentation of -of state-of-the-art microfilming by American companies and institutions at the 1937 World Exhibition in Paris. The expectations were high. I quote Robert C. Binkley, um, the chairman of the Microfilm Committee of the American Library Association. The exhibition should um, be a report of the progress already made in giving um, to the new apparatus its actual revolutionary use in scientific documentation. Um, library science and archival sciences. In uh, other words, I think that we can present Europe by 1937 with something that will be as striking on the intellectual level as the Taylor system for scientific management or the Ford assembly line work in industrial technology. Unquote. But maybe more importantly, the exhibition coincided with the first World mm-hmm. Documentation Congress, which was organized by the League of Nations and sponsored by Eastman Kodak. The conference was attended by 460 delegates, among them Paul Otlet, the former size Econ director, Emanuel Goldberg, the librarians from the National Libraries, and several protagonists from the American scene. Echoing the universalist spirit, Microfilm was discussed not only as a way to collect, store and provide remote access, but also as a means to have multiple copies in multiple places. I quote HG Wells, the author of The World Brain and speaker at the panel. Knowledge need not have the vulnerability of physical material centralization. In these days of destruction, violence, and general (coughs) insecurity, it is comforting to think that the brain of mankind, the race brain, can exist in numerous identical replicas throughout the world, in Peru, Iceland, Wales, and New Zealand, as well as here in Paris. After World War II, um, this line of thought reappeared in the context of internationalism, especially through the intergovernmental organization UNESCO, which created the so-called microfilm, uh, mobile microfilm unit. The unit undertook several large-scale microfilm projects in the Arab states, Asia, and Latin America until the mid-1970s. The central idea, um, again, was the increased diffusion and decentralization of knowledge production. Besides all these uh, grand institutional projects and schemes outlined so far, there existed also more uh, more discreet way of using photography as a copying machine and scientific aid. In 1925, so again at this moment of emergence, the Leica as well as several other small format cameras appeared on the market. The Leica was promoted not only as an amateur camera, but literally as the scientist uh, sci- of as the excuse me, scientist companion. Quoting Erich Stenger, the Leica um, systematically and unstoppably penetrated the area that had previously been considered as an uncontested domain of the large uh, format, namely in the scientific realm. Unquote. In the context of library and archival work, it had the advantage of not being bound to the place of issue so that the library user himself can act as a photographer. And that is, of course, nothing else than today's practice of taking pictures in libraries, archives, or during conference talks. (laughs) The attribution of agency, um, choosing and doing your own photographs, is an aspect which is mirrored in the rhetoric which was used throughout the history of microfilm. As Suzanne Brier, the chief librarian of the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris, put it, a dense collection slides away microfilmed into a vest pocket. An entire library is contained in a handbag, Here, referring to the vest pocket or handbag as a very personal item in proximity to the body is um, a quite revolutionary thought, given that many libraries and archives during that time, especially in Europe, still provided only limited access. It is the dream of appropriation, the dream of democratization through mass media. The aim of establishing microfilm as a tool for the free exchange of scientific research or even the outsourcing of memory by using microfilm as imagined by Vannevar Bush in a similar essay, As We May Think, was largely hindered by copyright concerns and the lack of viable international regulations. But there were also other reasons for the growing reserve in the science world towards microphotography. First, the mechanical reading, which, according to um, the chief librarian of the University of Chicago, was so new in the history, in entire history of reading and writing, as to be no small obstacle. After all, mediating place also means mediating experience. In light of the expanding computer technology and Xerox cop- and copying of the 1960s as the major media competing with microphotography, its major weaknesses became more than evident. So I will have to um, go over this. Um, so telling you about like, the utterly lifeless spaces that these repositories um, uh, create today. Um, unfortunately also this, um, I'm afraid, but um, so to conclude, um, I would um, like to briefly ask like, what concepts of imaginary photography are invoked when thinking about microfilm? So I already alluded um, to some of them, um, photography as a copying machine or as a tool of appropriation. In the context of business administration, thus the capitalist logic Um, There clearly was the idea of a better original. We don't need the matter so um, very much in the sense of Oliver (coughs) Vandenberg's famous essay. In addition, microfilm cultivated the idea of only potentially becoming a material object. The history of microfilm is a history of light projection and screens rather than of prints, and in that it resembles the way in which we view images today. It was spurred by the fantasy of immateriality and at the same time its presumed value lay in in its capacity to materialize in various forms, in various places and at various times. But although microfilm radically reduced the physical object to a small and flat surface, it created more matter in terms of film material, technical equipment and manual efforts. In terms of, it, of its disciplinary place, microfilm is neither considered photography nor film. It has no author, not even an imaginary anonymous one. It oscillates between library and information studies, the history of functional photography, the history of technology, media studies, and the history of sciences. Its study therefore demands to push the disciplinary boundaries that have limited also many other aspects of the history of photography so far. Thank you.